This Torah class is brought to you by TorahAnytime.com. All right, so we will begin uh, the uh, class of soulmates tonight. We are learning with Wash Lematis, Abina Bina, Bat Miriboi. All right, a young uh, a young girl f- um, from the community that needs a uh, a a mm-hmm. So now the we're going to we're going to we're going to be speaking about uh, um, soulmates. Soulmates. So we're gonna have to we're gonna have to accomplish uh, try to accomplish three things. Number one, is there such a thing as soulmates? Number two, if there is such a thing as soulmates, do you automatically get one? Number three is can you lose your soulmate? Number four, can somebody else marry some, marry your soulmate? Right, which is again tied together with number three. So there is uh, um, an interesting uh, uh, statistic that was done by uh, by Dr. Laura Ber- uh, Berman, who said, you know, they they surveyed couples that were married and they asked them, did you, um, you know, do you feel like you married the one? I'm gonna, I want to see what you guys even think. What is the percentage of people that think that they did not marry the right one? Shoot out a number. 50? I think over 50? 100. Oh. <laughs> no, I don't think 100, but it's, it's 75 maybe. Very close. 73% of the couples that were surveyed mm-hmm. said that it's that they don't think they they found the right one, but rather they are making do with what they have, right? Which means this, is that if let's say there's 100 couples and it was more, it was a large survey, 73 of them said that they didn't marry the right one, right? So, and they feel like the right one is out there. Not only that, so they're not happy. Obviously not happy. Yeah, yeah, obviously not happy. So 17%, only 17% out of them actually said that they, they met their soulmate, which is a crazy number. That doesn't, that's not, right, uh, uh, the, you know, it's not logical. Woman and men. Woman and men. Same percentage? Same percentage. It was, it was done for both of them. So, uh, but obviously, it, it was, <laughs> they, listen to this, and they said 46% of them, 46, that means almost half, said that if they would have the opportunity that the right one comes, they'll leave the one that they're currently married for their soulmate. Oh yeah, so that marriage is done. That marriage is done already before it started. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so so we see over here that, uh, that that's one system. Let me tell you something else. So so uh, um, in the secular world, the non-Jewish world, right? What is the divorce rate? Right? Uh, 52. 52, I think that makes about sense. It's over 50, that's for sure. Yeah. Which means is that, that one in every two couples are going to get divorced, right? You're out, you know, there's there's two secular non-Jewish couples out on a double date. One of them are not going to last. What's you know? the Jewish rate? Jewish rate is also pretty high, but it's not that high. It, there is a pen. Jewish is, you have to, first of all, you have to figure if it's if it's religious or secular. Non-religious. Non-religious, it's probably the same. Probably the same. Yeah, probably the same. And religious, there's a religious is, it's also going up. It's unfortunate. It's a, it's a very, very severe problem nowadays. And in, in, uh, across all, the divorce rate is, is ridiculous on every, on every end of it. Right there, there. Are, you know, there are some people. There, there are some people that they, they don't only get divorced once. They get divorced like three, four times. Right, mm-hmm. which means is is that some. You, the problem is. Talking about religion. Oh, everybody. Yeah, both sides. Both sides. The, and it's not a class about divorce, but there are people that are always thinking that when they're married, that when they're going to go and they're going to find somebody else, then they're going to be happy. Which means is is that their their unhappiness right now is not with within themselves. It's, it's with the person that they are. They never. That's why they keep on getting divorced. But those people think that the problem is with the spouse, not with them. Which means is, it says, I married the wrong person and that's why I'm not happy. So they'll go and they'll marry somebody else. But they don't realize, and they keep on doing that because they don't realize that the problem's within. The problem is with you. With you, that's the reason why. Right, you have to work on yourself. So there is, uh, um, besides the fact that there's so many divorce rates, right? How many people that are married are not happy married? Which means is they're still married. So divorce is at 50%. Now, out of the remaining, let's say, let's be, let's be, uh, let's go on the low numbers. Let's say it was fifty percent divorce rate. Of the fifty percent that are married, how many of them are happily married? A very small percentage, I, I would, I would guess to say. <laughs> oh, you're not, you're, you're not have. No, no, no. This oh, is not a statistic. I thought you have a No, no, no. Because, because uh, yes, I, I've searched, but it's very, probably, yes, it's very. So, so, so many people are now. This begs to now understand the question. The question is, is that if so many people are getting divorced, the people that are actually married are not happily married. Why are people getting married? Why are, and this is even higher in the secular world. What, what's the pro, you know, there's, there's two non-Jewish people, right? Why get married? There's no, there's obviously a doom, you're doomed for failure. Right, but the percentage of non-marriage is also a lot. How many are single people at 40, 50 that That's true, don't also. even want to get married? That's true. That's because true. Of the issues the like that. That's thing, the funniest thing that when people live together over 20 years, it's, they used they to divorce. doing it. Yeah, uh, yeah. I don't understand that. It's like, uh, there's many reasons for that. But we'll speak about it. One day I want to do a class about divorce. So, uh. I don't see any. 
I'm not going to get any result before you start up. You don't want to. All right. I want to understand that. Which it's is a, it's a, right. It is. It is. So, but again, there, uh, we're, we're bashing. There are some cases where divorce is wanted, right? There right. is, there Obviously, is an actual, always, uh, yeah. There is. The, the Torah says, you know, you, to give a gift, to give a divorce. Which means is, if, would, if you wouldn't be allowed to give a divorce, then there would not be divorce in the Torah. But rather, there is a divorce. So there's always cases where you do need to divorce. You do need to because it's just not, it's just not going to work out for whatever particular reason. So there is, um, there, years, maybe. there is, there's also an interesting, um, you know, an idea. Just to, to just to understand the the concept of this lack of of happiness in marriage, you go. Let's say you're single, right? And this is more with the younger crowd, right? Let's say the crowd, you know, like the the twenties in the early twenties, and they just get married, right? And they're married, let's say for a few years, and they have some single friends. So they go over to the single the single friend goes over to the married friend, says, "New soul, how is married life?" Right? A single man or a single woman, when they're younger and they're let's say religious and they're keeping their thought, there's nothing more that they want than getting married. Right, they want to find that person. So they go over to this married friend and say, oh, so how's married life? How's it, you know, are you enjoying it? It's fine. How does the married person answer? They'll be like, it's good, it's good. Yeah, yeah, it's very, no, no, it's good, it's good, it's good. And listen, it's work. You know, you gotta work. You gotta, you know, you gotta put, you gotta make some sacrifices. You know, you gotta do some things sometimes you don't like, but, but it's alright, it's good, it's good, it's nice, it's nice. Yeah, it's good. You should get married, it's nice, you should do it, it's good. Right? That's usually how the conversation goes. Now when you think about it like that, that doesn't sound too convincing. A person, should, should, when they ask, how's married life? Maybe should say, married life is awesome. It's amazing. I couldn't imagine a better life without this. You know? However, people are usually, you know, it's all right. It's okay. You know, why don't you come to the other side? Yeah, yeah we'll drag you on. Yeah, I'm married already. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And what do they usually say? The, the, the married people say, you know, enjoy your single life. You know, enjoy it. You can go out whenever you want. You can do whatever you want. Right? These people are obviously not happily married. Right? A happily married person will say, it would be awesome. It's the best thing that you could do. So there is, uh, um, you know, and it's interesting in the non in the non Jewish uh, uh, world, right? You go over to somebody, and uh, let's say let's say a, a girl a girl gets engaged, right? She goes over to her friend, and she's like, "Oh my gosh, I just got engaged!" And everyone's so oh, it's so happy, so butterflies. They're looking at the ring, they're looking at this, they're thinking about gowns, they're thinking about this, right? And it's all nice and happy, right? How do guys react when when the, when they hear not when the when the when the Hatan tells you know his friends, but when other friends usually it's, another one? it's more it's <laughs> it's more usually like you know you know hey uh, you know hey what's up um, you heard about what happened to Sam you know they think uh, the Sam died or something you know the way that they start the conversation be like no what what happened to Sam and he's like oh you didn't hear and he's like no tell me what happened what happened? is he okay is everything okay and he's like oh don't ask he just got engaged he's, he just got engaged <laughs> and the, what does the other person say be like, oh, are you serious oh man can't right? go out anymore. We gotta throw him a bachelor party, we gotta do this, we gotta do that, we gotta show him what he's missing, right? With these types of, of you know, the, the, the foreground of, of getting married, how do you expect to be have a happy marriage? How do you expect that the, the marriage should be happy? The marriage should be successful. So there's a, um, that being said, you know, the, the secular world, the non-Jewish world always, you know, talks, and, and I know the, the entire entertainment industry bases a lot of their information on romance of soulmates and meeting the one and finding the one that you want and, you know, settling down. It's all about the one. Now, what does the Torah say about soulmates, right? Is there such a thing in the Torah about soulmates, right? And the answer is 1,000% yes, right? There is such a thing as soulmate, and we'll, this is what we're going to try to accomplish in understanding today. Yes, yeah. So, uh, so I'm gonna find out if uh, I'm a soulmate with my wife today. Yes, hopefully. Hopefully, you should have found that out. Uh, how many years are you married? Eight. You should have married Fad uh, eight years ago. <laughs> that, uh, that, okay. Nine were together, eight were married. So now there is uh, there's a very interesting. I'm gonna bring uh, three different gemarot on on uh, on soulmates that seemingly contradict, and over throughout the night, we'll bizarre Hashem try to uh, answer them. Number one, there's gemara in Sota. In Sota two a, it says that 40 days before the the baby is uh, conceived, there, it says that this baby is going to marry this, this not, well, not babies, this soul is going to marry this soul, which means is the match is set, who is she going to marry and who is she going to marry 40 days before they're even conceived, right? So, over here we see, first of all, right away that there is such a thing as soulmates. A, I mean, the, the, it, the soul were already made it even before they came into this world. There's a Gemara also in Mot Katan that says... And it's only Jew, Jewish baby to Jewish baby? There is... Um, Yes, but like, like, uh, yeah, no, no, it's a good question. As opposed to, is your, can your soulmate be non-Jewish? Uh, no, you can't. Not only that, is it, can you marry a non-Jew? Halakhically. You no. can't marry because a non-Jew. there are intermarriages. There are intermarriages. So they're, not so, they're not soulmates. They, they're not soulmates. So, so then, so the, what happens? The yeah, they, 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 yeah, oh, the sin is, first of all, extremely, extremely severe. One of the worst. And, uh, they didn't marry the soulmate. There's a woman out there for them. Not always. There's some people that come without soulmates also. 
So we'll, which we'll see that also. We'll see Hashem, we'll, we'll speak about that. So the Gemara says that that another in Katan that another person is able to acquire somebody else's soulmate through prayer. Which means is that they see somebody else and they start praying for that person. They could go and they could that God God listens to everybody's prayer. Right? No prayer goes in vain. This is why you have to be very careful when you pray. Right? For those who are married, you don't say, I want to marry this person. I don't want to marry this girl. I don't want to marry this guy. You don't pray like that specifically. You say, I want to marry the right one at the right time. Right? So, because if you go and you really like this person and you try and you pray and you pray and you pray and you pray, God is going to eventually listen to your prayers and he's going to, and he'll set you up and you'll, you'll marry this person and it could be not your right soulmate. It could be, you know, somebody that is, uh, you know, not for you or somebody else's soulmate. That's Gemara Mokatan. Next, there is a, another Gemara in Sota that says, that which means is, is that they set up a person's uh, they set up a person's uh, soulmate according to their deeds, right? Which means is that is uh, let's let's use it as a balance. Let's say let's say you know the spiritual level over here, right? So somebody that is on a high spiritual level will will marry a girl on a high spiritual level. Somebody is on a low spiritual level will marry a girl on a low spiritual level, right? They they set him up on on par with whatever he on whatever level that he is actually on. Make sense? So, so uh, if you are following along, what I said was a little bit contradicting, right? Number one, I first said is that they forty days before they're born, they are set up who it is, and now I just told you that no, it depends on how you know if he's a good guy, he's going to get a good girl. If he's a bad guy, he's going to get a bad girl. You know, so so that that's something that we're going to have to answer. Uh, you know, throughout Why the night. Why not bad guy, a good girl, and in the middle somewhere they meet each other? Put it this way, like. Let's say you have a guy that sits and learns Torah all day, right? He learns Torah, he watches his eyes, he's very careful and everything. He's not going to marry a girl that goes clubbing every night and, you know, and, and wears miniskirts and, you know, heels that it's hard to balance yeah, on. She's on stilts. He's going to teach her how to be a good girl. He, you could be. Usually that doesn't <laughs> Yeah, usually that, yeah. Well. <laughs> usually, usually the problem is, is what people, and this is what we'll speak about also, people should not go into marriage thinking, and this is more a woman than, than a man, I'm going to change him. Oh, yeah. yeah. I don't know. I got it. I could do my work. We'll be able to do it, right? It's Men, it, you know what it is? It's, it's usually women go into marriage thinking that they're going to change him. A man goes into marriage thinking she's never going to change. And both of them are wrong. <laughs> so so the, the idea is is that, you know, I, I've said, well, you know, this is something that Rabbi Zachariah Wallace said. I'm sure that I said it before. Uh, the Humpty Dumpty thing, right? Humpty Dumpty sat on the wall. Humpty Dumpty had a great fall. All the king's men, all the king's horses couldn't put Humpty Dumpty back together again. Now, what it's, it, the, the story is, is once a big egg. Once a big egg, like a Humpty Dumpty. He fell on the floor. It's a children's story. He fell on the floor and he broke. Now, all the king's men and all the king's horses, basically all the, the high power people, they weren't able to fix him, Right? You think about it, and by the way, that's the end of the story, right? He fell, he broke, nobody was able to fix him, and good night, uh, my darling, uh, you know, four-year-old, right? How is that a, what type of, what type of uh, a book, what type of story you're reading for little kids? It's like, somebody hurt themselves, they fell down, and that's it. Yeah, they're in a cast. Enjoy, good night. You know, that, that doesn't make any sense. That's not, you, you want to tell, teach your kids, like, happy stuff. And eh. So, I, I heard this when I was a higher was it's an unbelievable, uh, you know, concept on this, is, is there's a reason why they, Humpty, all the king's men could not put Humpty Dumpty back together again because nobody can change you only Humpty Dumpty can change himself only Humpty Dumpty could put himself back together again which means is that there are many people think that you know what I'm going to change when I get married I'm going to change this to this I'm going to wait for this I get inspired a person only changes within not when he's going to get married not when his wife is going to make it not when her husband's going to make her do that certain things a person only changed for their own Right? They can have outside influences, but no one changes that. The idea is when you go into a marriage, don't go in expectation that things are going to change. Right? You have to go, you should, you should change. Right? You, but not that the other person. Right? So, so everybody has to worry about themselves. So now, there's a, a very interesting, um, uh, midrash that speaks about that when Adam was first created, Adam and Chava, right? The first, uh, the first, uh, um, um, the first person that was created, Adam, he was, um, he was, him and Chaba were, were back to back. They were attached, right? Which means is that he was in the front and she was in the back, right? And they were attached, like 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 physically attached. Now what Hashem did, Hashem went and he and he put them to sleep. You know, he put him in a deep sleep and then he separated them. Right? He separated them and then they're two separate uh, two people now. Beforehand they were one, now they're two separate. Now the obvious question is, is that what's this whole like? Two people coming together, marriage, partnership, this and kids and work. Why can't it be just one person, right? One person. You're ready for you're ready for a baby. You press a button, a baby comes out, and you move on with life. Soon, what? Huh? Soon we're gonna have that. <laughs> you want that? I want that. No. <laughs> they don't, there's, they, there's certain things that science can't do, and we'll see. So that was the original intention. No, the original intention was not. The original intention was one for a split. 
right? There was a purpose. There was supposed to be split, right? What happens is, and this is what we have to ask now. We have to figure out why is it that we need two people go together? Why can't it be just one person? One person. But it was originally one. You said no, but I'm saying, but now, so why, why, why don't we keep it as that? Why don't we have the one now? And the answer is, two people working together can accomplish one more, what, so much more than when one person can work by himself. Which means is we're in this world to accomplish. We're in this world to do stuff, right? And I'm not talking about make money and, you know, build big houses and buy yachts and all those things. You're, you're meant to do stuff spiritually, right? You're here for a work. You're here for a purpose. Your ability to accomplish is so much greater when you're married versus when you're, when you're single. And you think it doesn't make sense because if you're single, you have more time to do stuff. You could learn to ah, You could do all these different more things. And the, the answer is it's just the opposite. The, you have a much more ability to do, to, to do uh, more together. There is, so in essence what we're saying over here is is the soul originally is one soul. There's one soul, and then what happens is when the two, when there's a male and a female coming to the world, they get split up into a half. But the idea is, is that right now, where we are in right now, you have, you're half a person. You're half a soul. The other half of your soul is your, is your soulmate, right? Together you, you, you connect and you, and you have, uh, you know, a much greater ability, a much greater, you know, uh, ability to do. I explained it once like this, is that, is that imagine you have a straw. Right, mm-hmm. and you're putting the straw under under a war, falling water fountain, right? So whatever is, and that straw is pointed into a cup, right? So whatever the water comes down into the straw, which is very small, you know, circumference, is going to go into the cup. It's very little. But imagine now you take that straw and you triple the size, or four times the size. So a lot more is going to come down. So when a person is is single, they have a sort of a pipe, like a straw going straight up to heaven, and all the blessing comes in from that pipe. When a person gets married, his pipe and his wife's pipes unite. For one bigger pipe, and they have a lot more ability to get blessings from heaven than when you're married. So the 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 essence is, is that you're one person split into two, and then you come back together as one. So much so is that there were there were you know like the famous rabbi rabbi uh, Rabbi Arya Levine is that one time he went to the doctor with his wife, and his wife his foot was hurting her. So the the, the rabbi goes over to the doctor and he says, "Doctor, our foot is hurting us, right? Our foot is hurting us because it hurts me when my wife is pain, right? Some people it's all the way around." How do I get hurt to have pain? You know, and, you know, try to uh, stab her and you know whatever I can, right? And the, there's also Rav Shlomo Orbach. You know, um, when when his wife passed away, he when he spoke, he says generally what people usually do is they'll say, you know, I want to ask forgiveness from my spouse in case I hurt her. You know, I did anything that you know that I wasn't supposed to. He goes up and he and he says, there is nothing that I have to ask forgiveness for with my wife, right? Everything I did, we did, we did, we did together. Which is they weren't married for like two weeks, by the way. They were married for quite some time. See, this is really the, the essence of how somebody is really supposed to be married. Somebody's really supposed to be married, you're supposed to feel like you're one person. That if you hurt your spouse, you're really hurting yourself. Right? As opposed to, you know, getting back at her, who won the fight? And, oh, it's my turn to win the fight. Oh, you remember the fight that had six years ago? Aha! I told, you know, and she's like, I knew you are going to bring it up, right? And everything is all bickering, bickering, and, and uh, no, no settling. So the, there is... Um, there's an interesting, uh, you know, idea, and it's a very, very famous, you know, uh, like a uh, that that people say almost every Sheva Bachot that you go to, people usually speak about this. There is Ish uh, and um, Isha in Hebrew. The difference in their spelling, they both have Aleph and Shin. The difference is an Ish has a Yud, and a Isha has a Hey, right? Which, which, if you, if you, if one of God's name is Yud and Hey, which means is if you take the unique letters in Ish and Isha and you take them out, that's God's name. It's Yud and Hey. Right? The Yud and Hey is Kibika Hashem Tu Olamim. God created the, this world with the letter Hey, and the next world with the letter Yud. Right? And it's, uh, I think we spoke about it once on Pesach, the, you know, the letters. So, the, if you live with God in, inside, you know, in, in your home, and you're a spiritual, you're a spiritual home, and you're, you're keeping the Torah, you're keeping the Mitzvot, then you have the Shekhinah, God is dwelling with you. And then you're Ish and Isha. And everything's going good. If you take the spirituality out, if you take away God, and if you take away out, you take away the Yud, you take away the Hey, you're left with Esh. Esh in Hebrew is fire, right? Fire is heat, argument, fighting, right? That's all you're left with, right? You have God in the home, you have peace. You take God out, you have fire. Fire and fire, well, you know what that does. So, there is also an interesting concept of love at first sight, right? Love at first sight, first of all, as we have to explain, is completely biological, right? It's, it really should not be love at first sight. It really should be infatuation at first sight, right? Because you know nothing about the person, right? You like the way that they look, and really, usually what you, or, or something that they did. So really what you, what you're really saying is that, you know, I love myself and I would love to be with that person, right? You, it's not, there's no such thing as, you know, love at first sight that you, you know, you see and, you know, like sparks fly and be like, that's the person of my dreams. So there is, uh, um, an interesting, you know, uh, thing that we spoke about earlier that it says, uh, this is the part that I want to ask, answer the question that we asked earlier was, the one Gemara said, 
that they set up a man and a woman according to their actions. Another Gemara says that it's 40 days before the child is born, they're going to, you know, it's it's already ordained who is going to be for who. So the Ben Yishchai answers this. First of all, the, the Gemara answers. The Gemara Satoa answers it and says, the first one, when we're speaking about, um, when we're speaking about man is getting married according to their actions, that's talking about a second marriage. The first marriage, a person's going to be ready to be 40 days before they were conceived. That was already set, that was already, um, uh, you know, preordained, right? So we have to understand that. The, what, I, what I just said was, the, when the part that I said, that we said 40 days before the person is, is born, that they're, they're gonna stay, you know, that's gonna be, uh, the marriage, that's going to be when? The first marriage. The part that it depends on your level, that's the second marriage. Now the Ben Ishchai, you know, first of all explains this. It doesn't mean that, you know, everybody's gonna get married once and then they're gonna get divorced and then, they, you know, things work out that way. The, what the first marriage he explains is the first reincarnation you are in this world. The first time you are in this world, everything is easy. You marry your soulmate very easy, it's not a problem. The second time that you come into this world, it depends according to your actions. Right? It depends. You're gonna get a girl uh, or, or a guy according to, according to the level of your deeds. Make sense? There's a, there's a very, probably the most important line of this entire, like, class. There are many people that they look for their soul, their, their, they look for the one, right? They look for the, the, the best one for them, their soulmate, the one that they are gonna grow old together. And they go and they do, uh, you know, a lot of hunt for this, for this one. But what people usually do, what, what they usually don't do and what they should do, is don't look to finding the right one, become the right one. If you become the right one, you will find the right one. Right? That's the concept we have to do. Work on yourself. Right? Usually people have a list. I want a guy with this, you know, he has to make six figures, he has to be six foot five, you know, um, he has to be of this orientation, right? He has to come from the same community as I do, which is something that I don't understand at all. Let's say somebody, they're very, they're people that are very particular, they're only gonna get married only in the same community. Right? What happens if your zibuk is one community over, right? They say, I, I spoke to people. I spoke to people and I told them, I'm like, I'm like, uh, and I said the same thing. I'm like, what happens if, if your, your soulmate is not, is not in your community? You know what they tell me? What can I do? I will marry my soulmate. Right? They're that picky on marrying for, for what? So you can have the same dish? You know, so you'll be suffering your entire life. Just so you can have the same dish, so that your mother, you know, could be able to speak to her in the same language or whatever. You know, it's it's a, it's an idiotic uh, concept. Yeah, person has to be. We're all Jews, right? As long as we're Jews, it's it's fair game, right? Non-Jews don't play over there, right? That's not our court. Is there third reincarnation? Third. So on and so on. You said. Yeah, everything after the first is depending according to your deeds. Mm-hmm. Okay, so um, I want to speak a little bit about ways to lose your soulmate, right? How can you? Go and lose the person that, let's say, you were meant to be be with. So, number one, it's very possible that a person um, was married with his soulmate in a previous life. His wife, let's say, aced, aced her test, right? She did her tikkun and she's fixed. The man messed up and he has to come back again. Now, it's not fair for the woman to come back again. She already finished her test. So, she gets to stay up in heaven. He has to come back down here by himself, right? Mm-hmm. And that person is very is very likely that he won't, either he won't get married or he won't marry, you know, his soulmate is still up in heaven. There is a possibility, however, that if this person fixes whatever he needs to fix, you know, does chubah, whatever he needs to do, that it's possible that they'll send him, the, his right soulmate back down. Which is why sometimes you see that there are, are, let's say, older men marrying younger women, or vice versa, right? Which means is that it's very possible that they came in without a soulmate, and the soulmate was only sent in later. There's another way that a person could uh, lose a soulmate, is let's say, let's say he's, uh, his, you know, and this is what we spoke about before, according to your deeds. Let's say somebody goes and, and his uh, soulmate is, is a righteous woman. She says to Elim every day. She's dressed modestly. She's such a, you know, tzaddikah. And this guy, you know, can't stop looking at women. He can't stop, you know, thinking about all these bad thoughts. And he's, you know, cheating in business. And he doesn't even come to prayer. doesn't come to Elim. doesn't do that. God's going to say, like, I can't. You know, this is not going to work. I can't do this. So, you know, then it starts, you know, has to switch around things. That person could lose his soulmate because he wasn't on the level that he was supposed to be at. Which is a scary, which is a scary thought. Which means that people think, okay, you know, like I'll do chuba then, I'll do chuba. People don't understand. It's very possible you push it off. Your one of your dreams is going to go marry somebody else, right? There's no such thing. If you realize the importance of of you know of toa mitzvot, you start doing it right now. You don't wait until then. You don't know how much you're going to lose out. Not only in the next world, but in this world as well. So. Um, there is, it's a very, very important concept that, and this is the same idea is that you don't, you don't look for the right one, you become the right one. Right? You have to become the right one early. The, and this doesn't matter for a second, third, whatever marriage that this person is up to, they always have to work on themselves and they always have to, they're gonna get a girl according to the deeds. And everybody wants a good girl, right? You have to become a good guy to get a good girl. 
there is um, uh, there's other ways of losing it. When this is just common sense, is that people are being too picky, right? I know somebody that I spoke to him, and he told me straight up, and he's like, I can't marry under you know under a ten, right? On the on the rating scales, which which you know from one you know is a horse, ten is a supermodel, right? He says I can't only I'm only marrying a ten, right? And and I'm you know I'm like what, what does that mean? First of all, you know it's not just one. Many men 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 think tend to think like this, right? More more than women, men think that they're, all, they're only supermodels, right? Don't even bother me with anything else. Meanwhile, this guy is a four or five according to you know at best, you know, not making any money, not a good guy in general, like not no good character traits, not a sweetheart, not a decent overall average guy. What makes you think you're gonna deserve you know somebody that you want, right? One way of losing it is that you're being too picky. They could have sent you the right one. God sent it to you. And you'll be like, no, 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 not for me. You know how many people that they get, they get, um, they get red uh, shidduch, which means is they set, you say, okay, well, I want you to set you up with this girl or this guy, and they say, no, 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 it's not for me. Three, four years later, they go and they see that they haven't gotten married yet. It comes, you know, they, they set it up again, and they say, fine, this time I'll go, and then they end up getting married, right? How you would have taken your ego down, you would have gotten married three years ago, when of course you suffer all this hardship. There's also another another thing is is that uh, people um, sometimes are afraid that they're not ready to get married, right? The general rule is like this. If you're not ready to get married, you don't date. Right? There are many people that have been dating since high school. What are you dating since high school? Are you going to marry this girl? No, no, not ready. No, no, no. Practice. Well, it's practice. You know, anything, you're making yourself a lot worse. You need experience sometimes. You're not for, not for marriage. Marriage experience. You want marriage experience. So why don't you marry somebody who's married five, six times? It's good experience. 50 years of marriage, four different positions of, you know, first she was a housewife, then she was a lawyer, then this and that. You want the opposite. You want people that have no experience in marriage. Those are the those are the best. So, uh, um, anyways, so the the there are many times that people come and they meet they meet the right one and they say, no, I'm not ready. You know, I'm not ready. I you know I have to finish college. I have to and they give excuses that are not real excuses. There's some excuses that are you know that are le- legitimate, right? And they, and that's fine. But they give excuses. Oh, you know, I'm not financially stable. That's the favorite one, right? Many people. You know how many people got married? The husband wasn't working, the wife wasn't working, and they still managed to survive. And then eventually, you know, God helped them, and then eventually he became very successful. Right? People think that it's all about me. I have to wait till I'm financially stable. And what happens is, let's say you'll never be financially stable. So you're never going to get married? What, what, what are you re- relying on something else? There are many people that they feel they can't get married. This is a, a lack of the munah bitachon. Right? Obviously, easier said than done, but the, the, that is the truth. What if people want to finish college before they start dating? So it depends. So let's say somebody's going for medical school. Right? For women, it's very different than men. Men have an obligation to get married. Women do not, right? Uh, men have an obligation to have children. Women do not, also. So, so the um, the if if there is a um, if let's say you have six months left to school, right? And you're like, listen, I, I you know I can't do it right now. I'll, give me six months. That's understandable. Okay, fine. You know, unless something good comes up, and you you know, then you'll say, fine, I'll date. But otherwise, I you know, I want to concentrate. That's fine. But let's say you're going to medical school, right? And you have another, you know, your four years of of med school. Then you have another three years of residency. Then let's say you want to specialize. You have another two years uh, after that. What are you going to wait eight years to get married? So by the time you're 35, you're going to start dating. Be all right. Later. Where are all the girls at? Right? What do you mean? Like you're you know your soulmate. We got married a long, long time ago. Right, so they have to be careful. You have to realize what the real purpose and uh, of is. There are many people that are, go to medical school. They go to law school and they're married. They're married with kids and they they make it happen. Obviously, you got to speak to your local Orthodox rabbi. You know, if you have any any uh, you know question on this and and uh, in particular situation, every situation has its own uh, its own solution. Okay, so now there is uh, there is also sometimes that people, let's say in a previous reincarnation, they didn't merit to marry their soulmate, so they get to come back. And they get to marry the soulmate in this in this uh, reincarnation, right? Which is also one of the things that people get reincarnated in is if they if if there's a certain things that if someone doesn't do, he has to come back. One of the things if he doesn't have any children, or if, you know if, he, if they didn't have any children, they have to come back reincarnated to have that uh, that mitzvah. It's on a, it's on a completely Women different category. Also? Women in generally um, don't really get reincarnated. That no, 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 if they didn't have. That's children, what I'm saying. In general, women. So so I don't think so. They don't have to no, come back. No, generally not. That's from my understanding. So, um, okay. So, so, and that's why the Arizal speaks in Shagra Bulim that generally women do not come back as reincarnation. They don't have to. They don't, uh, you know, so, so, whatever, that's a topic in itself. So now, the, there's also somebody that, uh, you know, there are a lot of people, and especially in the dating world, is that they're dating someone for a long time, and they think that it's going to be the one, that's it, we're going to make Mazatov, and then it breaks up. 
and things that you know things don't go the way that's supposed to be. A person shouldn't get depressed over that. Shouldn't person a person shouldn't make the person feel down. You know, get uh, what's the term? What's the term that they use? Uh, burned out from dating and all those things. It's not that you should not feel that way. There is uh, there was once a story about a, there was a girl. I think I, I don't remember where I heard this story from. I heard it a while ago. There was a girl that was dating a guy, and everything was like perfect. I'm like, you know, she's already picturing the three kids' names, you know, where they're gonna live, how the house is gonna look, the the wedding. Everything is in her mind, right? And they're they're on the same page. The guy is, you know, also like. And then comes Yom Kippur. Comes Yom Kippur, and the girl is like, you know, so thankful that God sent her such a great guy, you know, and she feels like she's gonna get engaged. So she had the best Yom Kippur. She went and she sat and she cried and she's, you know, basically. Empty, open their heart out to God to thank Him for everything that you know that you did. Right after that prayer, after that young, after that day, she's like, "That's it. He's going to propose tonight for sure." After that prayer, you can't you can't beat that. Sure enough, he calls her that night and he says, "Hey, listen, um, let's go out." And he says, "We need to talk." And she's thinking, "Yeah, sure, we need to talk. Yeah, of course we need to talk." So she's like, "Okay." She calls her friends to get some best makeup people come over, and she gets she, she wears her fanciest clothes. She's like, "Tonight, she's telling all her friends, get ready. This is going to be a lachaim soon. We're going to have an engagement soon. This is it. This is going to be it. I can feel it." So he comes out. She, you know, he take, he picks her up, very serious, and she's thinking, "Well, you know, he's good. You know, he's playing it completely." That they take he takes her to like you know this this uh, you know quiet place. And says, listen, you know, there's something I wanted to tell you. And she's like, yeah, yeah. And she's like, uh, um, and he tells her, you know, you know, it's, you know, it's been really good over the past uh, few weeks. And she's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And she's like, you know, but, and, you know, I really feel, you know, that we, we accomplished a lot. And she's like, me too, me too, me too. And she's meanwhile cleaning her ring finger, you know, <laughs> making sure that it's nice and smooth. And then she's like, uh, and then she says, uh, and then he says, um, I think we should see other people. And she's like, uh, come again? What was that? <laughs> and he says, uh, he, and, and she says, I'm sorry, I didn't think I heard you right. And he's like, I, I think we should see other people. And she's like, what, what, you know, she's like shocked. She's like, what do you mean see other people? I thought everything you just said, everything was going good, everything was going great. You know, so he gave her the whole spiel. It's not you, it's me, you know, it's you, it's me, whatever it is, the whole, the whole thing. And she was completely heartbroken. She's like, well, I, I can't believe it. He said, after all that, she came home and she, you know, she cried the entire night. And she goes, she tells God, she says, how many tears do you want from me in one day? How many? The whole day I was crying to you and now you're going to do this to me? I don't, you know, and she fell into depression. And she couldn't get out of the depression and, you know, and, you know, she tried, eventually she brought up, you know, she went to a rabbi and she says, listen, can you, what, what is this? So the rabbi told her, you know, it says, listen, do you think God hates you? And she's like, I, I don't think so. She says, so the rabbi says, do you think God, you know, is after you, you know, wants to, you know, you know, you know, bad only to you. And she's like, I really don't think so. And he said, the rabbi says, that God only loves you. He loves you as a, as a single child. As every, you know, uh, every person in this world is like a single child of God. God loves you more than you love yourself. Now, if God did this, there must be a reason for it. And the rabbi said, listen, I can't tell you the reason, but let's see, wait it out, see what happens. And sure enough, you know, she, she, uh, you know, she has didn't get married in like maybe I think uh, two years or something, but then she got married. And she heard that the guy who broke up with her. He got married to the next girl that he went out with, right? It's like taking a knife, twisting it, and then pouring some salt on it, right? You know, and uh, so she's like, oh, really? It's like, oh, come on, this is, a, this is how it's going to be. And it turns out two years after he got married, he got divorced. And it came out, why did he get divorced? He was an extremely abusive, angry person, and he had a severe gambling problem. Right? She was lucky. She, so, so, you know, she goes over to the rabbi and, you know, she says, listen, I know why God did that to me. And the rabbi says, no, no, you don't understand. He says, because of all those tears that you shed on Yom Kippur, God did the best thing for you and broke it off. Right? That would have been a, your, your horror. Some people go and they, and they think this is the perfect guy, this is the perfect girl. And they think that's it, the Nazakov it's going to be, and it doesn't happen. What people don't understand is that is the best thing that could have happened to you. Right, the best thing, right? You, you, that is, you don't want it to go into engagement and then break it up. You don't want it to go into a marriage and break it up. If it didn't, if it didn't happen, then it must be a great reason for it, right? You live life that way. You're gonna live life a happy life. You think about it the other way around, also. If you got married to a certain person, that is the best thing that could have happened to you because you got married to that person. God obviously set this up. So the um, people should not get you know down if they don't if they feel that they got the, they didn't marry the right soulmate right and we're talking about all the you know the non-jews with the you know with their statistics they feel they you know completely depressed completely you know despondent they have they lost everything they didn't marry the right soulmate they wish they could find the right soulmate that is not the case that is not the case at all there is an interesting halakha that it says that you may get you may get you may get engaged on tisha be'av so that somebody else won't go and marry uh, and, and marry your, your, the woman that's meant for you. Which means is here we see another proof that somebody else could take somebody away from you. 
right? Again, through prayer and through uh, through different uh, things. I think I said this story once. It was like a joke. The, um, you know, there was a, the, I for sure said it over here before. I'll say it again. So, there, there was once a, a man that was taking, taking a tour in the psych ward. And he sees a man in, inside one of the psych ward, and he's taking his head and he's literally banging it against the wall. Like, he's literally, like, blood is dripping down and, you know, and, you know, the person that's taking me, you know, to ask the attendant was show, showing him around and says, what's going on over here? What's with this man? And this man's banging against his wall screaming, Rachel, Rachel, Rachel. So the guy says, no, you don't understand. This guy, you know, they feel terrible. They said, this guy fell in love with a girl named Rachel. And he was infatuated with her beyond. And all he wanted to do in life was get married to her. And she dumped him and she read, didn't ever want to do anything for him. It hurt him so much that he went, he became crazy for me. So he said, uh, um, he says, wow, that's, you know, that's so sad. And now he's stuck in a, you know, solitary confinement, banging his head against the wall. So fine, they go into the next room, you see another guy, a different guy, banging his head against the wall also, screaming, Rachel, 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 Rachel. And he's like, what's, you know, what's with your hospital over here? What's, what's with this one? And the tenant says, oh, you know, this one actually married Rachel. Right? Which means that people think that, you know, they get what they want and they're going to be happy. And they chase after it and they forcefully uh, get it. It doesn't necessarily mean it's going to be the best thing for you. Right? There are many times that, you know, you, you sort of have to, like, have that faith in God. That God's going to send you the right person. I'm not saying that you sit at home and wait for the you know, someone to knock on the door and be like, hello, I'm your wife. You know? Uh, you know? Uh, you know? Low maintenance. You know? I'll cook. I'll clean. You know? The whole thing. And you're like, oh, it's about time. I've been waiting for you. It took you so long. Right? That doesn't usually happen. Okay, so now there is um, there is an interesting there is an interesting uh, thing that that let's say you got married to somebody, right? This is a concept that I heard. I wasn't able to locate the source for it, but I heard it, and it's a, it's an amazing idea. Can, the, the idea is, can you retrieve a lost soulmate? Which means, is, let's say you married somebody, you feel it was the wrong person. Can that turn to be the right person? So I heard that the, you know there's something in, in uh, you know in reincarnation called ibu. Ibu is that you have a soul. And then you can have sort of like a piggybacker, another soul coming to that person, right? It's it's like an impregnation is the is the English translation of Ibu. So there is there is a possibility. And again, I, I heard about this. I didn't see the source, so I want to just uh, everything else is source that I that I told you. So um, it says that you can marry somebody that may have or not have been the right one for you, but they could turn into the right person because God will put the soul that was supposed to be connected with you into that soul, into that woman. Which means that so you could have you could have you could be married. And you can change yourself for the better, and you can always improve, and eventually, you know, the, the marriage might be rocky. It might not be going so smooth. It might not be well, but then eventually it will smooth things out, and some of the things will turn really well, right? And it's very possible that is the explanation that sort of God piggybacks the right soul onto this to this woman. Then nobody feels anything, right? It's not like one day you're sitting and your wife's cooking, and suddenly she's like, you know, start speaking with a different tone, and she's like, no, don't call me Sarah anymore. My name is Rivka. Like, what? You know, it doesn't like that. You don't, you don't, it's not, it's not something that you realize. You don't recognize it. You don't realize it. Therapy. What? Huh? Therapy. therapy is also important. Absolutely, absolutely. Therapy is definitely an important uh, um, concept. There is, uh, um, there is the, the idea is is there are many people you know that they. This is a very important concept. Also, also something that could be a, like a, a like a bumper sticker, right? People look for what they want. God doesn't give you what you want. God gives you what you need. Right? You get what you need in life. Right? There are many people that want this and want that. You get what you need. What you need, you're going to get. One hundred percent. Right? There are many people that, that, you know, this is also people have to understand that they think that if, let's say, they got married and it doesn't go so well, it's not going so smooth, that, oh, they married the wrong soulmate. Not necessarily. Just because you could marry the right person and it doesn't necessarily mean that it's going to go so smooth. It's going to go smoother than if you married somebody else, but that might not be your test. Your test might be a little bumpy in the beginning, and that's normal. And that's normal and you have to work it out. And eventually you see those types of cases where it's a little bumpy and there's fights. The more they work on it, the happier that they're going to get. And it's, Across the board, right? I've seen on every single case, and whatever. So you know the, that I that I've spoken to, the more religious that they became, the more happier and and uh, connected that they became, right? And I'm talking about both together, right? It's very hard when you have suddenly you know one spouse is is like you know sixteen thousand miles ahead, another spouse is fourteen thousand miles behind, and you know it's it's a very very bad connection. You're really supposed to grow together, right? And you're supposed to grow at, at you know forward, not not the other way around. So. The, the idea is, is that people are supposed to complete complete each other, right? How do you know? Let's say you're married already. How do you know that you married the right one? That It's not it's like, you know, everything is nice and flowers and butterflies every time you see him or her or whatever, things like that. It's do you complete each other? Do you work together to, to, to accomplish things that you would not be able to do by yourself? And you would, you know, you're, you're, you're growing, right? The, there was once a very interesting story that there was a, there was a man who made it in life. I mean, success-wise, money-wise, he made it, right? He was extremely, extremely wealthy at a very young age. And, uh, you know, I'm talking about he had private jet, he had boats, he had buildings, he had, he had, you know, money, he was very well-to-do. 
but he was a big spender. He would, you know, sw- you know, spend very, very large. He would live large, life large. And uh, he goes over to his wife one day and he says, listen, he says, I know I spend large and right now we have a lot of money. And he says, I need to ask you a favor. Um, please steal for me. And she's like, what was that? And he's like, so he says, I want you to go and take money away from me and hide it. Just in case that we should have it on the side. Right? I, you know, I'll spend a few hundred thousand dollars here and a few hundred thousand dollars there. You know, who knows what's going to be after a few years. I want you to go and take the money on the side. And she says, fine, no problem. You know, and she starts doing that. Over the course of a few years, she kept on putting money on the side. He didn't even feel anything. You know, he was very wealthy. She took a lot of money on the side. And he didn't feel anything. Right? And his prediction came true. After some time, his, he put, uh, you know, a lot of his money in a certain investment and a flop. Right? And he, he put a lot of his stuff on collateral and he basically lost everything. Which is, by the way, not uncommon. There are many people that they have so much. I'm talking about hundreds of millions and they could lose it all. Right? It's not an uncommon thing that uh, you come from very wealthy to nothing. And unfortunately, this was the case with this man. He lost everything. And uh, so, you know, so much so that they, you know, they sold their house and they sold their cars and they sold, they had to sell the private jet. They had to live in a regular house and, you know, live, it was very, it's very, very difficult for those type of people to, to live regular life. So, um, especially when they, when they got used to the, the luxuries that they got used to. So, um, after a few years go by this way, you know, the, the, you know, he, he has opportunities that come up. And he says, you know, he comes out, you know, he's still, he was a very good business mind. And he tells his wife, he says, he's like, listen, remember I told you a few years ago, you have some money hidden on the side. You know, um, he says, you know, they have a very good opportunity that came up. The bank, due to my, hist- my history of credit with the bank, they're willing to give me a large loan. But in order for me to get the large loan, I have to come up with $10 million, a small percentage of the loan that I'm getting from my own, for myself. Right? Which could, you think about what the size of the loan was, if a small percentage was just $10 million that he has to come up. So he tells her and he says, listen, he says, he says, do you have the money? I, we, with this, with this thing investment that I have, I could get us back to where we were before. So she says, yes, I did put away money and it just so happens that I put in just about $10 million. Right? And he didn't even feel it. He didn't even realize that. So they talked about it. He talked about the business and she says, listen, I trust you. Take it. And he went, he took it, he got the loan and, you know, a few months later, everything flopped again. He lost it all again. And, you know, he goes, how do you, you know, this is why I apologize, you know, listen, I thought, and she's like, listen, it's okay, it's fine, you know, we'll live like, like regular people, it's okay. She was a good, a good woman. And, uh, not like, well, you know, some women that just leave, you know, the second that that happens. So, she stuck with him, and then came the time where, you know, a few years go by, and the time came for the daughter to go get married, uh, the marriageable age. So, they were a religious, they were a very religious family, and they wanted a guy that always sits and learns to walk. So, you know... You know, the, the husband said, listen, in order to get that type of guy, you know, you, the, the girl's parents usually support them. And so listen, I want you to sit and learn. I'll support you for a few years. And so the husband tells his wife, says, listen, we can't barely support ourselves. How are we going to support somebody else? And the woman says, you know, the wife says, absolutely not. This is one thing I'm not going to give up on. We're going to get a guy who's learning to walk. And he's like, you know, and he tried to fight with his wife, tried to explain to her, listen, we can't do it. And she's like, absolutely not. This is how it's going to be. So she says, fine, you know, you can't argue with a wife, right? I mean, you think you can, but eventually you realize that you can't. So, so he says, fine, that's it. it and he goes and, and uh, they go out on a date. And they, they go find found found this guy and that, that they're dating and everything works well. Comes the, the, you know, the time and they, they're actually speaking, the parents are speaking, it looks like they're going to go get engaged. So while they're speaking, these two, couple, these two couples, the, you know, the once rich husband and wife are sitting over there, and the, the other, the, the boy's parents are going over to, to them and they're saying, you know, we, we thank you so much for promising to support them, you know, and such a lavish support also that you promised, we really appreciate it, we wish we could also support, but we can't, we're unfortunately on the level, and they're showering with gifts and, you know, thanks and praises for how much money they're going to give their children. And meanwhile, this man is sweating bullets, you know, he's starting to dripping sweat and he's turning pink and he's like, he's like, what support? And he starts like nudging his wife, he's like, well, what support are they talking about? And she kicks him back and she's like, don't talk about it now, I'll just I'll explain it later, right? And they keep on going, he's turning colors and he's sweating and he's like, he's like, how do I tell them that we can't support them? You know, he knows his finances, his wife maybe thinks she knows her finances, but he knows what's in the bank and he knows what he could be, what he could pay and it can't happen. So, you know, he comes, you know, they, they finish the meeting. He is, you know, he felt like he just went through a sauna. And he is, he's like, he's like, he's like, you're going to make me have a heart attack. What's going on over there? Why did you tell them that we could support so much? We can't do it. And she's like, don't worry about it. We could do it. And she's like, he's like, what are you talking about? So she said, he said, remember when you told me to take away money? So he's like, to put away money, to send money from you? Yeah. So she said, you know, I took away money. I made a backup. And then I made a backup to the backup because I figured, because I know you better than you think you know yourself. So I knew that there's something is going to happen. So I made a backup to the backup. And he's like, you know, so suddenly he sees dollar signs. He's like, oh, so how much, uh, you know, how much are we talking over here? And she's like, none of this is for you. This is all for the kids. You're not touching a cent of this. 
Mm-hmm. And he's like, he's like, all right, you know, but the kid's fine. And she went, and they were able to pay off all their kids for, you know, the weddings without any problems and support them for a few years, right, without any issue. This is a wife that completes her husband, right, as opposed to the wife that empties her husband's bank account, right, just, uh, you know, every day. This is, you're talking about the, ma- the point of marriage, the point of, uh, of the, co- is, is to complete each other, right? There's one person that's lacking in this, and the, and the wife helps it. The, the husband is more stronger spiritually, so the wife helps, you know, he, he, put, he helps with the wife. Everything goes for, for everything else. I once uh, heard a, um, you know, this is a, a very unfortunate uh, circumstance. Somebody once went over to the husband and says, listen, why don't you come to the synagogue to pray? And um, he says, ah, oh, I'm too tired, I can't, it's too early in the morning. So they figured, okay, it's not, you know, so they go over to the wife and say, listen, why don't you wake up your husband in the morning so you can go home and pray? So the wife says, listen, I can't tell him to pray, I don't dress modestly myself. Well, I'm going to tell him to go and get up and pray, I don't even dress modestly. So the guy goes, he's playing, he's bouncing back and forth like a ping pong. He goes back to the, to, the, to the husband and says, listen, he says, why don't you go and tell your wife to dress modestly? So the husband says, listen, how am I supposed to tell my wife to just modestly? I didn't wake up to Shachalit in the morning. I don't put that. So these two people are fighting against each other. Instead of working together, they're using their excuses and their faults as uh, against each other. The idea is, is that in a marriage, you're working together. You're completing each other. You, you're, you're, you're fulfilling each other's, you don't have to finish each other's sentences, right? You don't have to, you know, not this, uh, imaginary Disney mumbo jumbo. The idea is, is that you complete each other and you can, and you, and you're, you're growing together. It's it's interesting that uh, you know you have. I mean, the the, the Torah says the a righteous person, a tzaddik, gets a tznuah, a rasha gets a kvutza, which means let me just explain that in English. A righteous person gets a modest girl, a wicked person gets a immodest girl. Now the obvious question is that why don't you keep the same terminology? It should be a wicked person, a wicked man gets a wicked girl. And uh, I'm not talking about wicked as in like wicked good. I any English, so London-speaking people, and a wicked is like an amazing thing. Talking about an evil person gets an evil man gets an evil girl, and a, and a good person, a righteous person gets a righteous girl. Why is it that a righteous man gets a, a modest girl, and a wicked man gets a, a uh, immodest girl? And the answer is, is that one of the main criteria of a woman to tell if she's righteous or not is her modesty. That is the level. You know what it is? Because that's one of the main things of a woman's job, is modesty. If a woman is modest, she's a righteous person. She's righteous. She is considered a, a, a righteous person. You go in all the, the Torah, all the things that, uh, all the um, blessings that people get, the woman get in the Torah, is modesty. doesn't say, you know, that, you know, she knew how to read Tehillim so much, you know, nonstop. It says modesty. Modesty is what, Tehillim is very good, and a woman should do it. A woman have a very strong power of prayer. But the main thing that considers a woman, a righteous woman, is modesty. There is, um, there is, uh, um, any questions so far? You know, we've been going uh, really fast. No? Okay. So, we'll, we'll finish soon. We only have, uh, you know, a, a few more a few more ideas. I want to try to put everything in one class and not to break this up in, in two. There is, um, you know, the, the, there's an idea that I think I heard from uh, Rabbi Eliyahu Kin, if I'm not mistaken. You know, out, people are very focused on looks, right? There's a class, by the way, completely in itself, which I do want to give also on looks. There is, um, but there are people that, that they'll go and they'll only, both men and women, they only want a certain look and they're only going to go for, they're not going to sell for a certain look. And people don't understand, you know, let's say you buy a nice car, right? You buy a brand new 2016 car and outside it looks nice. The seats are comfortable and everything is excellent. But inside they replace the engine with a 1976 Chevy, right? And, you know, how far are you going to be able to drive before the thing is going to break down? It's not going to be able to, you know, it, it looks nice, but inside it's, 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 you know, it's a big problem. There are many people that focus just on the outside when they get married. The inside is what counts, right? Which brings us to the next point is what do you look for when, when to get married? What do you look for, you know, in, in the, what character traits do you look for, right? Now let me ask you like this. What do you think? is the most important character trait for a person to, to look for. And this is my own opinion, but I think uh, many rabbis would agree with this. And uh, what would be the most important character trait, both for man and for woman, to have when you're getting married? Kindness. Kindness? That's nice. Anybody else? Men don't care. Inside doesn't matter. <laughs> All right. The, the, number one, the number one thing that you should look for is emunah, faith in God. Why is that? Because if somebody has faith in God... That means everything else is going to fall into play. They're not going to be angry. How can they be angry? Something happens, you know, something bad happens, and they'll be like, wait a minute, it's all, it's all from God. Right? He comes home and his wife starts throwing dishes at him. He realizes that it's not really his wife, it's really God sending him a message. Right? He's going to be, he, if someone has lived with faith in God, he's going to be a kinder person. He's going to be a more caring person. He realizes that everything is from God, and he's not going to take anything personally. Marriage is going to be marital bliss. Right? It's going to be an unbelievable thing. But the other important thing, a character trait to look for when you're looking for to get married, is also midot. Right? Now, there was a joke because midah in Hebrew means both character traits and also measurements. 
So I'm not talking about the midot of measurements, right? A woman's measurements. I'm talking about midot of character traits, right? They have good character traits, right? At the end of the day, the one thing that's going to stay is a, is a woman's, you know, a woman who's kind, who's caring, a man who is not stingy, not you know, doesn't have all those uh, hard uh, uh, qualities. There is, uh, you know, the idea is also is like. It's like, you know, there was once a woman that really wanted to buy a certain pair of shoes. And she was obsessed with these pair of shoes. And she's like, this, I have to get these shoes. And she goes and she buys this pair of shoes. And the husband says, you know, uh, you know, what was that, $1,500 for a pair of shoes? What are you, crazy? And she's like, listen, I'm sorry. I need this, these shoes. And you see, she walks. They go out on a date the, the date night. And she's walking with these shoes, right? And she's walking. She's like, she's limping over here. And she's this. And she's, you know, she's like suffering too. She's like a soldier at war. It's like, no, I'm going to, I'm okay, right? Eventually, her feet are like bleeding from the sides and she's like I can't and she takes it off and so the husband says to her I said, listen what's I I thought that was you know everything was really nice it was everything that you wanted she says yeah I wanted it but then you know it started pinching me over here and it started pinching me over here and it started cutting me into me over here then many people that they get married to really pretty shoes right to really pretty you know everything and then what happens when they get married it starts pinching you from here and it starts cutting you from here and it starts bruising you from here the idea is you have to look at what's inside you have to you know if I could use the example as a comfort in shoes you know, you have to look at what's what's uh, what's inside and how you're able to um, to relate to each other. And the the one, you know, let's let's. Uh, um, and obviously, there's also other important things. You look for a good family. Obviously, a religious person, right? You want, if you marry a religious person, now it depends. This has to be religious inside, right? There are many people that pretend to be religious, right? That's not considered religion. I'm talking about when someone's really religious. You know that you're getting a good deal. You're getting a good catch, right? If he listens to the law, she listens to the law, and she goes according to God. Everything is going to go smooth. Okay, I want to finish off with one uh, with one last story, just to show you on, on you know what people should really strive for in a soulmate. There was uh, in well in a marriage. There was um, once, and we'll finish with this thought. There was once um, a woman that was getting married to a man, and the custom of this man's family was that they would buy the newly uh, you know newly engaged and soon to be married uh, girl a a very fancy uh, diamond ring. Right, as a sort of like a welcoming to the family type of thing. This is a true story that happened in Israel. So um, they go and you know the gra- the grandmother's one who always buys it was her. We said the story, yeah. Oh. Uh, I don't know if we said it here, but then oh, you heard the story. Heard so so she the the grandmother goes and she buys she buys this amazing you know you know has all the qualities that a woman wants in the, in a diamond, right? It's got the shiny, the clarity, the clearness, and the, the size. Everything was, per- it was it was magnificent. And you know they show it to you know they they present it to her, and she's like, "Wow, it's amazing! Thank you so much!" And everyone's all oh, try it on, and they try it on, and every, the whole family's around them, around them, you know, ooing and eyeing on this diamond uh, that that uh, this this newly engaged girl got. And uh, you know everybody's looking at it, and everything's going well, and everything goes it's, it's going nice. Suddenly, um, you know, the night finishes, and everyone goes home, and she realizes the ring is a little you know big. Right, it has to be size. The ring has to fit the finger. So she told somebody, so listen, the ring's a little big. And they were like, no, don't worry about it. We'll get, we'll get it fixed, but you know, you gotta wear it. Listen, your husband's uh, family bought it for you. You gotta, you gotta wear it. So she said, fine. So she wore it. A few days later, um, was their wedding. And the wedding, she remembered the entire wedding, she was like always nervous that it's gonna fall off. Right, so the entire wedding, she's sitting there, she's holding it, she's there, and, and you know, she can barely dance, because every time she dances, she's nervous that the ring is gonna fall off. Finally, Baruch Hashem, she makes it to the, to the wedding, the ring is still on. And, uh, comes, comes, uh, uh Shela Bachot, and, uh, Shela Bachot, they, it was Shabbat, it was Shabbat Shela Bachot, and the husband's family lived in Netanya. Netanya is like a, like a beach town in, in Israel. So, they, um, they're going to, they're going to Netanya, after they had the, the Shela Bachot, uh, you know, a meal, in the day, the newly married couple said, listen, you know, let's go for a walk. Well, they went for a walk on the beach. They went for a walk like an hour, an hour and 15 minutes, and they came home. They came home, they drank, they refreshed up a little bit, and, and a few hours later, they, one, of the pers- one of the people noticed, they were like, oh, where, where's your ring? And she's like, she looks at her ring, and she turns white, she's like, I don't know. I don't know where my ring is. And they were like, what, what do you mean? You know, and they started, you know, looking everywhere, and they were like pulling up the, the you know, and she's, you know, there's, she's staying by her, by her in-laws. And, you know, her in-laws are, like, starting to run up to her room and her husband's room, and they're starting to look through all her stuff, right? Which no woman ever wants her in-laws looking through any of her stuff, even if she has nothing to hide. Right? It's just not something that you want. And she's sitting there wanting to sink into, you know, everyone's screaming at her, where's the last time you saw it? Where's the last time you put it? And she's, she's like, I don't know. I really don't know. And finally, you know, through all this commotion, she was like, you know, it, you know she didn't mention, you know, it was a little big. And they were like, so why didn't you mention that it was big? We would have gotten fixed. And she's like, I did mention that it was big, but they told me to keep on wearing it. And people are going crazy. They're looking for this expensive diamond ring. Nobody's finding it. Finally, the husband said, listen, maybe you left it, you know, in, in, in our apartment, back to where we are. And, you know, so 
after Shabbat goes, they go and they run over to the apartment, which is like a, a half-hour drive. They're looking throughout the entire apartment. He turns it entire upside down. Nothing doing. Can't find the ring. He comes back. The wife says, you know, did you find it? He says he couldn't find anything. And then finally it hits them and they be like, you know where we probably lost it. We probably lost it in the, on the walk on the beach. It says if you lose something in a 4x4 four four radius in the beach, it's lost. You know, forget about it. If you have a mile stretch, I have to now find. It's done. It's finished. And, you know, and that's it. Like the, you know, she, you know, she couldn't handle it. She had to go into her room. She, you know, the, and she was crying and she's like, I can't believe this happened. I'm like, you know, I'm so embarrassed. And, you know, the husband's trying to do his job and calming her down. It's okay. Don't worry about it. We'll, you know, we'll figure something out. And they get over it. But eventually, you know, things came in the, the, the in her, for her in-laws. It was always every time she came in, you know, they always like, you know, mentioned, oh, the ring, you know, like it, they put basically, you know, like really put salt on the wound over there for her. And it, it did not make it easier for her. And, uh, so much so that, that eventually one time, the, you know, you know, her, 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 her in-laws had a very, very hard time with it. Her husband, she said like this, she said the story, she's the one who said the story. She says, if this was a test, my husband passed with flying colors, but his, but my in-laws, they completely flunked it. They completely lost it. And she says the thing, the straw that broke the back was one day we were sitting in the, um, we were sitting, you know, at the, you know, at the table, and then we're about to leave my in-laws' house. And my in-laws then remember that they bought a very expensive vase for for us in our home. So you know, the the one of the brothers came over and was going to go and give the vase to her, and then he's like, maybe we should give it to uh, just to be safe. Let's give it to you know. To, you know, to the man. So, and that, that was, she broke it. And she's like, she's like, you know, I've never been embarrassed so much before in my life until I married over here. And she started screaming, he's like, I'm never stepping foot in this house again. He's, she's like, he's like, hey, you know, it was a mistake. What do you want from me? You know, and you, and you come and you just, you keep on reminding me about it. And, you know, full blown argument, right? And she stormed out. And, you know, her husband was stuck in, bless you, her husband was stuck in the middle of this. And, you know, he's like, what, well, you know, he's trying to make peace. You know, a few weeks go by, nothing doing. Finally, they bring in the grandmother. They bring in the grandmother that bought the diamond ring, and she tries, you know, she tries to make peace, and she tries, you know, she says, listen, she's like, it's just a diamond ring, it's fine, you know, you try to, and, the, and they bring the in-laws, and they, and she sits down, and the in-laws apologize to her, and says, listen, you know, we're sorry for the way we treated you, you know, it wasn't right, and she apologizes, she says, you know, I, I'm really sorry that I blew up like that, I really, you know, I was surprised myself, it's not like me, and, you know, the in-laws going, you know, you're really our favorite daughter-in-law, and she says, you're really my favorite mother-in-law. <laughs> so um, she goes and, and they, they sort of make up they make it up but it's sort of like you know this like cold making up you know it's like yeah hi good morning you know no, it, it never it never went back to the way that it was before so uh, time goes by this was this this uh, happened uh, this all happened within four months of the marriage right obviously not to the best start so um, comes I think it was about a month or so later the, the it was a, it was a holiday that was coming up and the way that it worked is that the Khatan, that when he wore, when he bought a suit, he bought a wedding suit. When he bought the wedding suit, you know, you don't wear it every week. You don't wear it for Shabbat. You wear it for like special occasions. So he hasn't worn it since the wedding and now it was, a, it was coming a, a big holiday. He says, you know what? I'll wear it now for the holiday. So he goes, he gets ready for the holiday that everything is going well. And he puts on, uh, right before the holiday starts, he puts on the suit. It was he puts on the suit and, you know, the wife, and he says, no, so that I gained some weight. And she's like, no, you're, you're still okay. It's just in five months, relax, you know? And then suddenly he goes, and then he's like, he's like, and he turns white. He's feeling his chest pocket. And she's like, is everything okay? He's like, I think maybe he's getting a heart attack or something. He's holding his, uh, you know, his chest. And he's, and he's, and he, he gets all white and he puts his hand in his pocket and he takes out, you know, the, a ring. And he's like, oh my gosh. He's like, this is my suit. This is my wedding suit. So I haven't worn it. You know what? I must have. I couldn't even remember. I must have taken the ring, put it in my pocket, and completely forgot about it. And she didn't even care about that. She grabbed the ring, and she was, like, crying, and she was, like, happiness. And, you know, she says, she says, she says a story that she called her in-laws. It sounded like they had the first baby. So like, we found it! It's a ring! Mazatov! And they found it, and everybody comes in, and they come, and they all gather around. They're like, wow, it's so amazing. And then, and then they find out what happened, and she realized, you know, that the the, the their great son was the one who accidentally put it for, put it in his pocket, and they felt so. The inlaws felt so bad. They're like, "Oh my God, we're so sorry. We ever did this to you." Five months later. Yeah, five. And they're like, you know, 
we really should have realized because he's pretty forgetful. I don't know why, why we never even thought about it. You know, he's, he's pretty clumsy himself, you know, and, and they kept on apologizing. And, you know, like, I, we, we're so sorry we doubted you. And we're so sorry we gave you all that grief. You know, please forgive, forgive us. And, you know, she really now became the favorite child. Now, every time that they were supposed to, you know, get something, give something expensive to them, instead of giving it to the husband, they were like, okay, you know, here, why, why don't you take it instead of, uh, instead of your husband? Who knows what's going to happen with this? And um, so... The, you know, and not only that, is that she also used to rub it in the husband's face. You know, she used to call it the sandbox, right? Which means is that any time that, uh, you know, he would be carrying, let's say, a lot of cash at the bank, she would always make, like, a snide remark. Be like, maybe you want, you want me to come with me, you, so you don't forget it in your pocket again, like the diamond ring. You know, every, and, and you know, and he would laugh, laugh it off, you know, even though she saw it hurt him a little bit, but she couldn't hold herself back. It kept on coming out. And uh, this went on. Uh, their marriage. The marriage, this became known as the thing that, you know, she would always pick on him on, on anything expensive and bring, remind him back about that, that diamond ring. And 15 years go by. 15 years go by and eventually, you know, the, the grandmother went into the next world already and, you know, she was, you know, the, the marriage was growing, they had a few children already and she was thinking and she says, you know, listen, I had this ring for 15 years. She says, you know, maybe I'll go, I'll trade it in and get something else, something different with the, with the same amount of money. And uh, so she decides she's going to go to where the place the, the grandmother always used to buy jewelry from a certain jewelry store. So she goes over to this uh, to this uh, jewelry store and she goes over and she says um, she says you know my grandmother used to, my my husband's grandmother used to come and buy all you know her jewelry from her you know from her grandkid for her grandchildren over here. And so she says who's your grandmother? She says the name. She says oh of course I remember her very well. She bought everything over here. And uh, she takes out and she says you know. She bought this diamond ring over here, and I want to know how much I could get for it. And you know, think, I'm thinking of possibly, you know, exchanging it for something else. So the guy is looking at, the, you know, the jeweler is looking at the ring, and he's like, "He's like, wow, it's a beautiful ring. This is phenomenal." And he says, uh, "I'll probably, I'll give you about six grand for this, right?" And talking about Israel, right? Israel six thousand, not shekel dollars, right? Where you don't make about a thousand dollars a month of salary, so that's considered a very nice ring. He says, "I'll give you about six grand, six thousand dollars for it." So she's like, she's like, oh, that's you know six thousand nine, you know. But then he then he continued the jeweler and he says, but I'll tell you to be honest, he says she never bought this ring over here. And she's like, what do you mean she buys the ring? Every, you know, all the places here. She's like, yeah, she buys all the ring here, but a stone like this I would not forget. She says a stone with this clarity and this this magnificent stone I would not forget it. She says this she didn't buy over here. So then she's thinking, she says, well, if she bought it somewhere else, maybe it's worth a lot more. So you know, she didn't want to sell it yet. She didn't want to give it yet. She's like, okay, thank you. Let me think about it and, and uh, I'll get back to you. Jeweler hands it back the diamond. And she goes home. Then she starts rummaging through her her stuff to find every diamond. Usually comes with a certificate. You know how much it's valued and you know where she bought it and all things like that. So she's looking through through the through all the papers and she finds a certificate. She opens the certificate and out pulls out a piece of paper. She picks out a piece of paper and she turns white as a ghost. Right? She starts shaking, and she sits down waiting for her husband to come home. Her husband shows up, you know, a few hours later. She didn't move from the, from the table. And, um, you know, she has a ring in front of her, the certificate, and a piece of paper. And um, her husband walks in, and she sees, you know, it looks like he's in trouble. You know, he's sitting over there at the table, you know, like, waiting for him. And she's like, he's like, everything okay, honey? And she's like, she's like, no, not, not everything's not okay. And she says, you know, today, and she tells the story. So today I went over to the jeweler, and I was trying to, uh, you know, see if it maybe I was thinking about maybe exchanging it for a different uh, piece of jewelry. And uh, I went over to the jeweler that grandma usually brings, buys her stuff from. And he's like, all right, so what's, uh, I don't see any problem over here. He says, uh, when I went to him, he said that the grandma didn't buy the diamond from him. She's like, all right, and listen, she must have, you know, she knew a few jewelers. She probably went to somebody else. I don't see what's the big deal. And then she said, so when I came home, I went to look for the receipt on the certificate. And the receipt fell out. And she puts the receipt on the table. And he's like, the husband says, I, I still don't understand what's the problem. And she says, the receipt... It's for four months after we got married. And she's like, you better start talking. What's this? Like, how, how did this happen? So he's, and, and she goes over and she's like, did you buy this diamond? So he's like, he's like, listen, he's like, now that, you know, I guess I'll tell you what happened. You know, she says, uh, I, you know, after all that had happened and, uh, you know, between you and my family, I felt really bad. And um, so I decided what I was going to do is, you know, it took me some time, and I found a place that I could get a very, very similar diamond to what you had. And she's like, she's like, but how did you pay for it? How did you, uh, you know, how is this possible? You're learning to lie. You didn't have any money. So he said, listen, I took a loan, and over the course of a few years, I did a bunch of odd jobs to help pay for this diamond. And then she starts crying. She starts bawling, crying. And he, sees, he says, you know, what, what's wrong? You know, I was like, is everything okay? And she's like, no, not everything is not okay. And she's like, he's like, you know, for 15 years, I didn't realize what the man I'm married to. For I thought, you know, 
This was a story about the diamond ring. This is a story about the golden heart. He says, he says, I can't believe that after all this time, after all the hurt that I put you through, after all the making fun that I made of you from losing that thing, you all kept it in. He never said anything to me once. And she's like, I'm embarrassed that I'm married to a person like you and I can reciprocate to the kindness that you did to me. Right? This is a marriage, right? That man did what he was supposed to do. Look at, this is what you're supposed to look for in a marriage, right? This is not, not, not that you're supposed to test the guy and try to, you know, do that. But this is when you go and you look, you care just about the other person. You don't care about yourself. You don't care. You'll work an extra job to make her happy. You'll work so hard just to build that, that connection. Just so that you could come home and your other spouse is sitting there and is smiling and could come in and, and happiness. That is a true marriage. That is a marriage of Shalom Bayit. That is a marriage when you have religion and you have God in your home. Right? That is a marriage when you have the Isha and the Isha stuck over here. This is the importance of it. People don't understand. When you're, when you, when you have Akadish Brahma in your home, when you have everything in your heart, when you have the faith in your heart, your life is a better life. Everything is a better life. Everything is going to go smooth. It's guaranteed. Guaranteed. Any questions? No questions? You've just experienced another Torah class brought to you by TorahAnytime.com.